Amen. So hear the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, it is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. So let's step back for a minute because it's been a while since we've been at the beginning of Luke. But right before Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, we have the story of his baptism. And do you remember the story of Jesus' baptism where the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus while he's praying after his baptism, descends upon him like a dove, and a voice from heaven says, You are my son, my beloved. Do you remember that text? Because all that is Jesus is ours. You are my son, you are my beloved, God says to Jesus. And then the very next section in the book of Luke, in between the story of the baptism and and the story of Jesus being sent into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, is this genealogy that traces Jesus all the way back as the son of Adam, son of God. So firmly, firmly in our minds, we understand And go with Jesus into the wilderness, knowing that he is the beloved Son of God. And the beloved Son of God, full of the Holy Spirit, is sent by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Where for 40 days, the devil gets to talk to him a lot. Where for 40 days, full of the Holy Spirit, 
and in dialogue with all of the doubts that the devil knows the wilderness provides ample opportune times to bring up with Jesus. And, of course, because Jesus is deeply connected to heaven and deeply connected to earth as a human being and as the divine one, we know that in the wilderness, the same thing is happening for us. That the same Holy Spirit who sends God into the wilderness is the same Holy Spirit who is with us in the wilderness. And that the same devil who tempts and tests and plays on human doubts with Jesus is doing the same testing and tempting and playing on our doubts with us. So it is not that doubts are wrong to have. Because they are part of our humanity. But it is understanding that in the wilderness, there is both the source of faith as well as the temptation to follow the doubts away from God. And this is what Jesus overcomes and shows us how to overcome because he has already overcome and has sent us the same spirit who empowered him in the overcoming. This is the undoing of the work that started in the garden when the tempter there played on doubts of Adam and Eve. This is the work of overcoming the tempter's work of the people of Israel while they were at the promised land and then too afraid to go and then spent 40 years in the wilderness. This is the work that Jesus shows his supremacy over because it is the purpose of God, the creator, And it is the power of the Holy Spirit. So the wilderness is not a place that God fears for us. This is not a place where God abandons us. The wilderness is really our picture of a place that we just don't want to be. It's a place where we feel that off-kilter where we know our brokenness and our inability about the things that don't make sense and we have no control over. It's the sadness and the heartache and the stuckness we feel about a marriage that's falling apart or about a kid who's facing bullying at school that we just can't seem to know how to help them with, where we're out of our element, where we know our own strength will not be enough. And where? Because we are so out of our element, because things don't make sense to us, because we can't reason our way through, doubt becomes this opportune time. When doubt on its own does not stand in the promises of faith, doubt becomes this 
hinge of the evil one. But when doubt stands in faith, it becomes an opportunity to dialogue and find the Holy One. And this is what we see playing out with Jesus as he has these conversations. We only get three of them, but we know from the text that the devil spent 40 days doing this with Jesus. 40 days as Jesus became more and more physically uncomfortable. How many of us have ever fasted for a day, let alone a week, a month, or 40 days? We are truly aware of our physical needs and our physical brokenness when we're hungry. And so the devil says to Jesus, Sure, you're beloved, but if you are the beloved of God, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones to bread. Feed yourself. He plays on this doubt, this wondering that we have as human beings, especially in places where we don't understand what's happening around us and we are in deep need. He wonders, he plays on this doubt of whether or not we will have what we need. Will you have what you need when you get the diagnosis? Will you have what you need when you lose your job unexpectedly? Will you have what you need when your spouse says, I really need you to be different? If you are the beloved, make it happen. And Jesus, in all three of these instances, uses scripture. And it says he answers the evil one, but these, the, these scriptures are not just to refute. They're scriptures that guide. Because Jesus answers with these three commands that were given to the people of God after their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, upon entering the promised land as the people of God. And so these three scriptures that Jesus gives back to the evil one were not just there for the purposes of fighting the evil one in the moment, but these were the words of God that guided him his entire life as a follower of Yahweh. Do you get what I'm saying? It's not that these words are weapons that he uses in the fight against the evil one. These are words that have been guiding his very life until now. These are the words of his faith, not his doubt. And so he says, we don't live just on bread alone. And the rest of that scripture is, but from the very word of God. This reminder and this truth that my physical needs in this moment are not all that there is to me. That my life is bigger than the hunger that I feel, the hurt that I feel, the cold that I feel. That my life is bigger 
than just the physical and includes the spiritual, includes the purposes of God. That fixing what's broken isn't all that God is doing in this world. That a Savior doesn't always rescue us the way we think when we cry out with our hunger. And that I faith, faith in that God. So I don't need to strive and assuage my doubt about whether or not I will have enough by hoarding it myself. Okay, the devil hears that and he decides to try a different one. He, just, he decides to try to play on the doubt that hum, humans have about whether or not they're going to be enough. He says, look at all these kingdoms. If you just worship me, if you just choose to be obedient and follow me, if you switch your allegiance, you will have all authority and power over all of these kingdoms that you see. You will be the big shot. And we think about what Jesus is going to face in his life. All authority over the Roman Empire, which will bring his death to him. When we think that power over everything that there is means we get to run the show. That we can make sure that we have everything we need as well as we have what we need to be who we need to be. And so thinking about the ways in which maybe, and this is a, this is a, a, a failure of the Christian history story here, thinking that maybe if we were the powerful nation, if we established Christendom as the religion of the kingdom, then we'll bring God's glory and make more people follow after him. What did that lead to? It led to the Crusades. A time of our history where we were not being obedient, but were worried about whether or not we would be enough, and so we forced people to follow. Rather than having it be a living faith that flew out of, grew out of the work of God in their midst. This doubt that we have that makes us clamor to a place of security and action. Because fixing it now really is a common prayer that we offer. <laughs> right? Oh, Lord, just get me out of this mess. Lord, help that person get that figured out. Lord, take down that dictator. Look at all the harm he's doing. May your kingdom come, we pray. And that is the right prayer. But when we think we have to do it 
And we can only do it from a place where we are all powerful or secure. And that if we think that we have to have it all together to be able to use, to be of use in God's kingdom. The devil is playing on our doubts. And the reverse side of that is that we never do anything. Because we never will actually be good enough. We never will actually have anything to contribute. That our brokenness is too, too deep. We're not so much so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. We're just no earthly good because we're so full of self-doubt. And Jesus says, Worship the Lord alone. Serve him only. That really, there is no measure of being enough. The picture is just being present to God. And worship and obedience. That there is no striving for a way of being on this earth unless it comes from a place of worshiping and serving God. That there are no shortcuts in the kingdom. And then the devil says, oh, I'll play this game. Jesus has been quoting scripture. I can do that. I know the words of God. I've been around for a while. He says, if you are truly the son of God, if you are truly the beloved of God, then doesn't the Bible say, well, he wouldn't say to the Bible, Jesus, because it wasn't called the Bible, but doesn't the Holy Word say that he will protect you, he will keep your foot from falling? So throw yourself down from this high place and let God prove it to you. Let the Father prove his love to you. If you are truly the Son of God, let God show that truth. And Jesus says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. This is where we see The foundation of faith. Meeting doubts and wonderings. I don't need to constantly have God show me that he loves me for me to know that he loves me. The neediness of that doubt that paralyzes us. I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because it's so good. There's a story about Brennan Manning, who's a Catholic priest, and his friend Ray. And they grew up together in high school, and they were double date partners, and they got drafted into the Korean War together, and they served in the war together. And one night they were in a foxhole when a grenade came in. And Ray, who's sitting there eating a candy bar, looked at his friend, smiled, and threw himself on that grenade. And died. 
And later on in life, Brennan became a priest and an alcoholic and doubted whether or not he was lovable by God and by others. And one day he went to Ray's mom's house to visit her. And they were reminiscing about Ray and who he was. And he said to her, do you think that Ray loved me? His self-doubt, do you think that Ray loved me? And Ray's mom looked at him and said, Jesus Christ, what more could he have done for you? Jesus Christ, what more could he have done for you? Jesus Christ, what more could he have done for you? Jesus Christ, what more could he have done for you? You are the beloved. Think of what is possible when you stop doubting that and love living in that truth. Think of when you can set aside the temptations of our doubts that leave us paralyzed of experiencing the love and provision and power and presence of God with us. Because here's the thing. In Scripture, God is the one who sends us into the wilderness without fear. Because God is present in the wilderness. And yes, it is an opportune time for the evil one to be at work with all of the doubts and baggage that we bring with us into the wilderness. But the promise of God is to be the pillar of cloud and fire. The promise of God is to undo the work of the evil one who falsely thinks that he is the king of this world. Because look at all these doubts and the way that Jesus in his life proves them wrong. Because of the living out of faithful obedience to God. Jesus prays in the garden, yeah, maybe you can fix this. Maybe this cup doesn't have to belong to me. But then through the power of the Holy Spirit is resurrected from the dead. And Jesus, at the time of his commissioning of the disciples, says that all authority has been given to me. So go and make disciples. Don't go and establish your own little kingdoms. Go and make disciples to know the love of God. And Jesus feeds and does miracles and turns small supplies into what the people who are gathered are hungry for. And in fact, Jesus gives more than just those physical needs. He gives exactly what the world needs. Because for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. That whoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And that God did not come to this world to condemn the world, but to give and bring life. These are the foundations of the faith. 
This is the work of God in a broken world. These are the words of Scripture that can guide. So do not be afraid of the doubt, but dialogue with it, with faith and with the Spirit. Amen? Let's pray together. God of exodus and wilderness, God of refuge and help, hear us now as we make our confession to you. In times of temptation, we forget what you have done. That you give us everything we need, and yet we often remain unsatisfied or angry that you just don't make it stop. You trust us to care for creation, and yet we abuse the trust that you have given to us to act from faith, and we spoil what we have been given. We become paralyzed by our doubts, our self-doubt, of what you are doing as the one who fills us, Holy Spirit. And you show us the way we are to follow, and yet we often continue on the path of self-doubt, self-indulgent, and self-centeredness. And so for these things, we pray that you forgive us. We confidently ask you, Jesus, to guide us through your Spirit in the direction of our Father. That, Jesus, you will give us your patience to endure the wilderness and the doubts. That you, Holy Spirit, will be our constant companion and that we will find our place of welcome with the Father. And that we will know the Father's love. That, Jesus, we will know your love. And the Holy Spirit, we will know your love. Because in the face of all of these temptations, you were faithful to your saving word. And that same spirit who is alive and at work in you is alive and at work in us. And so we pray, yes, Lord, yes. And we thank you. We are bold enough to thank you for the wilderness because we go knowing we are beloved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear these words.